this week on The Startup Life. I think that one of the biggest challenges that I've noticed aside from getting uh, investment or capital is uh, customers. Mm. So those are kind of the two big, um, We these are even like kind of large initiatives that we have at Epicenter is to help companies with capital, but also with customers. All right, Startup Nation, let's take flight as we bring back Louisa Shepard, Director of Collective Impact at Epicenter. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own luck, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. So today we're here with a very special guest, my friend, Louisa Shepard. How you doing, Ms. Shepard? I'm doing well today. Awesome, awesome. Are you ready to pour some knowledge again into Startup Nation? Well, you know, I'm going to do what I can. I'm going <laughs> to help out the people. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. So, uh, first of all, tell us, you know, you've been on Startup Life before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, welcome back. Tell us what's been going on since uh, the last time we talked to you. Yeah, well, a lot of things have been going on okay. in my my life. Uh, Memphis, I've been making it home for me, so I bought a house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be here for a minute. Okay. And I uh, recently, well, I guess not recently, uh, at the beginning of the year in January, began working at Epicenter, where, nice. where we are right now, Absolutely. recording this podcast. Absolutely. Um, and so Epicenter is a hub for entrepreneurship and innovation in the city of Memphis. It's a very exciting place to be at this time, and um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm their director of collective impact. Okay. And so what is the director of impact? do like what, what does that job entail it's a whole lot of different things okay which is why when i'm like i'm the director of collective impact people are like i don't know what that is and i'm like let me <laughs> tell you um but essentially what my role entails is gathering and collecting good data mm-hmm. about the economic landscape and the entrepreneurial ecosystem specifically in memphis sure. and being able to extrapolate insights from that data and articulated in a way that is compelling and then it makes sense and that helps to to show that Memphis is rising because everybody who lives here and people mm-hmm. who visit here can tell like oh something really interesting is going on here like there seems to be some rejuvenation and some some renaissance of of sorts going on sure. but um, maybe not not aren't able to put their finger on it mm-hmm. as to like what the catalyst for that is or what are the causes or who's benefiting most from that. And so my role is really deeply entrenched in collecting data about all of that. Now, Louisa, you just recently got 
an award lately. You're <laughs> 40 under 40, right? Yes. Awesome. That awesome. was well, recently announced. Congratulations. Thank you very How much. How did you feel about that when you got that award? I was like, oh, another one of these. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm just, just, just kidding. Just throw another one on the mantle. Huh? All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, well, this has been a really good year for me, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so in January, I got, um, I was awarded a into the class, I guess, and in, in got into the class of the 20 under 30 with that's the right, that's Memphis right. Flyer, and then this was the 40 under 40 Urban Elite, mm-hmm. so I was just like, man, I must be doing something right. I don't, <laughs> I don't quite know what it is. I'll have to think about that for a while, gotcha. but um, I was very excited. I went to the 40 under 40 gala that Cynthia Daniels and company puts on. I right. went I went there last year and I thought, man, like this is really cool. Like I hope maybe one day I can do that. And, right. And here we are. There so you go. I'm really excited about it. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> and so speaking of Cynthia Daniels, she actually has a new podcast, The Grind Set, powered by Epicenter. She does. Right. You know, I just want to make sure we throw that in there. I know. we got to make a plug. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, you're now you're here at Epicenter and they have like a multiple... I mean, a a multitude of programs that help entrepreneurs. Tell us a little bit about those programs. Yeah, so Epicenter, we're we're a very interesting organization. We like to think of ourselves as a hub organization. Mm, Right. And so while we do some programming independently, like through, through Epicenter, the really big, like where the magic happens is how we work with partners in the ecosystem. For sure. To um, put out programming and we're able to amplify the the efforts that way. So um, one of the uh, one of the programs that might be really of interest to the people that are listening to this podcast is a program called CoStarters. Okay. And so Epicenter piloted CoStarters. The CoStarters program it's a nine week program geared toward people who are more toward the beginning of their um, entrepreneurial journey. Perhaps they just have an idea, or perhaps they have you know, maybe a side hustle that uh, is generating some revenue, but they're trying to get it all packaged nicely and maybe get a business license and start doing that thing for, for real. Sure. For sure. Um, so that's co-starters. We uh, did that program in-house for mm-hmm. about a year and a half, two years, and are now um, spinning it out to Memphis Startup. Mm-hmm. So that's Ronnie Brewer and Lakeisha. I don't okay. know if you know them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they're going to be taking over the co-starters program and really growing it. Okay. Um, and so uh, that'll officially happen in 2019, I believe. Okay. Um, but right now they're 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 working it and they're um, facilitating it and sure. there's a co-starters that happen that's actually happening right now at Epicenter for the next couple of weeks and um, if you guys I guess hit up our website it's uh, epicentermemphis.org you'll be able to see if there are more co-starters coming up so that's a really great program mm-hmm. um, we also have uh, four companies that are uh, like tech companies maybe they've uh, been able to create a minimum viable product, and they're kind of working on what the next steps are. One of our partners, Coast, uh, one of our partners, Start Co, mm-hmm. uh, does the summer of acceleration every year and accelerates um, many different tech companies um, in some specific verticals. There, uh, that particular program is 
very, very, it, it's, it's interesting because there are a lot of um, women entrepreneurs or a lot of people of color that participate. Um, right. And I find that really cool that obviously there's intention behind like, the way that we market and, you know, the way we talk about things. Sure. But like in Memphis specifically, we don't have to do a ton of work to attract the, those type of entrepreneurs just because there's such a wealth of those people here. So um I think that's a really cool thing as a person of color myself to mm-hmm. see that, sure. that you don't see in, in other cities. So we've got things like Summer of Acceleration. Um, we've got some interesting like access to capital initiatives coming up. One of them that was just announced is the Small Business Opportunity Loan Fund in right. partnership with, with Pathway Lending um, and a couple of other really large financial institutions mm-hmm. in Memphis. And so um, they're, the Pathway Lending Office is it's right out of our, our building at Epicenter. Gotcha. And so entrepreneurs who are coming here um, who are co-working here we have a co-working space that's another program that we have Mm -hmm. um, are able to have access to financial professionals are able to have access to the people of Epicenter and really awesome and amazing our programs team uh, they're very like um, very well versed and have a deep knowledge of what uh, what resources uh, that entrepreneurs might need to be pushed to. So it's just a really great place overall, and that's just a tiny, tiny little fraction of the things that we do and our partners do. But some some cool highlights. Gotcha. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So what is it like working with Leslie? <sighs> Leslie is a really dope person. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've not ever in my career. Um, really felt like I could, you know, deeply respect the, like, vision and knowledge and just, like, way that my leadership goes about doing things. Mm -hmm. You know, like, sometimes you have questions, you're like, what they doing over You know, but... (laughs) Right. But Leslie, she is... She's a a practitioner in this, Mm. what we call, entrepreneurial ecosystem building. Right. She is a fantastic leader. She really knows her stuff and she what I really like about her is that she empowers the people that she brings on the team to be great so sure. I've never felt like I can just like walk up into my spot and just be <laughs> great and like do what I do and be able to like make my recommendations without fearing that somebody will think I don't you know that I have some sort of ulterior motive or anything like that she just is a really fantastic leader awesome so when we talk about organizations like Epicenter, like Startco, why are they so important to the growing entrepreneurial community, you know, like the one we're experiencing here in Memphis? Why are they so important? Um, I think that places like this are important because, you know, we talked about, before we, before we started recording this right, podcast, we talked, right. we talked a lot about um, things like access to capital, mm-hmm. all entrepreneurs, even if they have millions of dollars, are always wanting, sure. <laughs> wanting more access to capital. So that's a really big um, part of what we do mm-hmm. is, is helping entrepreneurs uh, be in front of opportunities to get that. I think another reason why Epicenter uh, and places like Epicenter are very important is to help to create a culture of... Um, supporting entrepreneurs in the city, not just, you know, from the individuals who are interested in this this life or this world, but right. from a standpoint of um, collaborating with uh, corporate big companies mm-hmm. um, to, to bolster innovation. 
um, from a philanthropic standpoint, help, sure. helping to change the perspective of philanthropy to just, mm. you know, helping, you know, giving to churches or schools and education, which all of those things are really great, but um, phil- philanthropic giving into the business community or into the entrepreneurial ecosystem has incredible returns mm-hmm. that can be felt throughout the city. Um, and then also for reasons like, you know, what I do at, at Epicenter, which is collecting data right. to help make the things that we all do as an ecosystem to, to raise Memphis up, to make sure that we're doing things that make sense that are supported by data. There are not a lot of places that do that. And right. so I think that it's very important that we have places like Epicenter who are, who are very um, intentional about collecting data to help us all be better. Now, you talked about this a little bit, but I, I want you to dive into it just a little bit more. You know, Memphis is becoming a hotbed for women you know, and minority-owned businesses, right? Why is that so important, and how can we continue this trend to move in the right direction? I think that it's most important because business thrives when it is diverse, mm-hmm. right? Like our whole ecosystem, our whole business ecosystem and our, our entrepreneurial landscape will be lifted up when everyone is lifted up. You know, products and services and things that we use, they're made better when there are diverse teams of people who are, who are making them. So, you know, like if uh, I'm, I'm a woman and I need, you know, specific products because I'm a woman, right. but like there are no women who are making them, mm. then th- there's going to be a disconnect, right? Right, absolutely. Um, and for, you know, for people of color, um, we have, there are so many amazing ideas and so many amazing uh, products and services and things that uh, our community are working on. But if they're not capitalized the same way um, as another company is, right. then then they're not lifted up and they could have a better idea. They could have sure. just as great or a better idea. And the, the issue is not that their idea is not great. A lot of times the issue is that they don't have the same opportunities or mm. that they don't have the same access to capital. Absolutely. Um, or they don't have the same like resources. So I think that um, that that's really a, 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 an important reason why having um, a diverse mix of entrepreneurs is is important. Um, there are so many other reasons why, but that's kind of like the first thing that comes to my mind. Gotcha. And how we get more of that, I think, um, is that we as uh, institutions like Epicenter are really intentional about removing some barriers. Um, that women or minority-owned businesses might face. So that's the reason why we have that Small Business Opportunity Loan Fund. Right. Um, that's the reason why there's a, a, a program that one of our partners, the University of Memphis, does mm-hmm. every summer called Imagine You for, right. for like college-aged and grad school-aged uh, students, entrepreneurs. And that particular program is a really great example of, of this concept that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So they, um, have, they had 23 students that participated in that program this, this summer, and they uh, worked on ideation and pitching their ideas. And most of the time when you look at a program like that, it's over the summer, um, people have to pay to participate in it because it's a really like high touch program. Mm-hmm. And so they're paying a couple thousand dollars to even be accepted into wow. it. And then, and you'll see that the 
demographic of that population is going to be students who don't have to have a job to, you know, pay for where they're going to live and stuff like that. But the, I think Imagine You was really special because not only did they remove the barrier of having to pay to participate in the summer program, and, and there are seven different universities that send their students to that program, but not only did they remove the barrier of having to pay for a type of program like that, but they paid the students to participate in the program. So all the students got a stipend to go and ideate all day, right. you know, and to work on their idea. Right. And because of that, 20 of the 23 students that participated fell into some sort of diversity category like they were a woman mm. or they were a person of color um, or they're an international student so right. you know that that's like a giant percentage of the participants just because they were really intentional about move, removing a barrier then when we remove those barriers a lot of times we're able to see much more uh, diverse pool of people participating without having to recruit for them you know for sure for sure. And, you know, Startup Nation, I think one of the big things uh, that I take away from what Louisa just said is when you talked about, you know, uh, like when you were talking about the difference of products, like if I need something that's for women, mm-hmm. but if there's only like a man making that type of product, like that can be, there's a disconnect, right? And so I think that's important not just the diversity from a, a demographic standpoint, but those demographics bring diversity of thought and different ways to tackle certain issues. So I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think that's a key thing uh, in entrepreneurship for sure. So besides creating jobs, what other benefits do new businesses bring communities, you think? Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think that there are tons of different benefits and... Um, one of them that I can think of right now, it's just like increased culture. I don't mm, know if that's like gotcha. a, a good way to say it, but you know. I get what you mean, you though. You know, more more culture, more, um, you know, it makes places more fun place to live. Right. And when you have the, the presence of, of businesses, not only are they bringing jobs to the area, um, but, you know, they're the person who owns that business is now, I'm going to look for a house here. And then mm. they're going to buy a house and they're paying taxes. Mm. So that so now they're helping to contribute to the economy in that right. way. Um, and then now their business is here. Now other people want to move to that area. And so they're spending their money in that area. Absolutely. Um, you know, so now they're, they're paying property taxes. They're buying things. Um, they're helping to bolster the economy. Um, and obviously jobs is, is a, a great indicator of that, but there are those right. other ones as well. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that's a big one. Cause a, a lot of times people don't see that, I guess, auxiliary impact outside mm-hmm. of creating jobs, which creating jobs is an important one, but that, you know, increasing that tax base, like you said, and stuff like that, that's a super important one. Thank you for sharing that. What more can city governments or county governments for that matter do to kind of help support new and existing entrepreneurs? Um, well, I don't know if I have like, I, I don't know if I've, I've opined on this enough, but um, <laughs> I will say that um, there's a really cool um, initiative that I know of that um, the city of Memphis is, is participating in, and it's called the 800 Initiative. Right. And the 800 Initiative is essentially, it was, it was announced uh, 
a couple months back, mm-hmm. and it's essentially this, you know, uh, an ish, an initiative to help bolster specifically like the African American community business community. So there are um, roughly thirty nine thousand businesses that are owned and operated by African American or Black people, but only about eight hundred of them have. Uh, empo- like a, an outside employee or they've hired somebody right. aside from the, the people who own it. So the, the city of Memphis, in partnership with Epicenter and um, Startco and Christian Brothers University and some other players in the space are, are pu- putting resources and collecting data and, and creating programs to support uh, those companies so there can be more companies in the 800 mm-hmm. and also the, the the ones that already exist in that space can increase their revenue significantly so that's an example of, of one thing that uh, the city government is, is doing that I think is pretty cool so last question before we go to break outside of attaining capital and that's a big one right mm-hmm. like we discussed earlier uh, what are some of the biggest hurdles and challenges that entrepreneurs face? You know, you know, whether they're like just starting or existing, like kind of what we talked about off air, whatever the case may be. What are some of those other challenges you, you've seen uh, as you do your work in Epicenter? Mm-hmm. I think that one of the biggest challenges that I've noticed aside from getting uh, investment or capital is uh, customers. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the two big um, we these are even like kind of large initiatives that we have at Epicenters to help companies with capital, but also with customers. So right. um, the, the two C's. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> the only way that your business is going to grow and push forward is either you have an infusion of cash from an investor or um, like take out a loan. Mm-hmm. You, that that's one way. The other way is to put more customers on your roster right? Um, or more clients on your roster. So I think that that um, is a big, that can be a big challenge for, for entrepreneurs. And if addressed effectively can be um, a very good way to move, move your business forward. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How do you like being back on the startup life, Lisa? It's great. I feel <laughs> like home. <laughs> awesome. All right, Startup Nation, I hope you're getting great value from Luisa's content, but we got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. teacher looking for great resources look no further than our teaching with owls section of our website enjoy great lessons such as our mini lesson for the story of an hour or dive into the nixon presidency as part of our legacy series enjoy great peace of mind from our units as they are common core line click the link in the show notes to purchase all right startup nation so let's continue so miss louisa 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Stars Nation know that we had like a summer institute. Is any other? You were so gracious <laughs> to grace us with your presence and speak about uh, a few things. And so, with that in mind, you know, uh, you spoke to our teachers about preparing our students for a 21st century economy. Share some of the things you said as it relates to kids being that, you know, these generation of kids being that next generation of great entrepreneurs. Yeah. Oh, let me see. What did I say? (laughs) (laughs) I I believe that I said a lot of things, but Mm -hmm. I think probably the thing that stands out most to me and that I'll tell anybody when we're talking about um, educating students about entrepreneurship or Mm -hmm. just even, you know, preparing them for the future world of work is that right now that we I believe that we kind of are on this this precipice of a new epoch of Mm -hmm. of you know how we live right Right. so there used to be like the agrarian society and then the industrial society Mm -hmm. and then we moved to like the computer age where we're all sitting at computers doing our work right and we're moving into something different and who knows exactly what that will be like though it's kind of like the world of automation mm-hmm. and how will the people of today be able to successfully function in that um, in that new space right um, there are a lot of questions right so I think that the best way to prepare young minds to exist as entrepreneurs or just you know productive members of society, successful members of society, is to teach them how to think. Um, Mm. And so it's not necessarily teaching them lots of bits of information to remember and regurgitate on a test. Right. It's more of teaching a a critical thinking mindset. It's teaching a mindset of growth that if you can't figure something out, don't worry about it. You'll be able to you'll be able to figure out. You just need to know what the right tools are, right? right? And that that's a lot of times how I I approach the work that I do mm-hmm. and and my life. You know, like my my team might come to me and be like, "Hey, Louisa, we really need to figure out how to calculate such and such and such to be able to articulate our impact um, on the economy through these three different channels." And like when they come to me and ask me that, my answer is, "I don't know how to do that." Gotcha. I don't know. However, I know that I have the tools necessary to figure it out and do a bang-up job. So um, I think that a lot of times, and and what I've seen here um, in Memphis specifically, is a lot of, uh, well, I'll be like, okay, well, all you have to do is this. And they'll be like, I can't. I can't. I can't. I don't know how to do that. Right. And I'm like, no one knows how to do it. But what (laughs) I need you to do is figure out how to do it. Figure out how to get it done. Right. And when you empower young people to have that shift in how they think, mm-hmm. then they'll be successful at whatever they do. Right. It's a lot like what my wife talks about as far as like what she calls MacGyverism. It's like <laughs> if you know, like if you have like a door lock and it requires a key, you don't necessarily need a key. You need a metal device with grooves in it in order to figure make, that out. To figure that out, right? <laughs> so. And that's the thing, right? I see a lot of times, especially in education or in other places, a lot of times the teacher or the coach is coaching them for what they need that kid to be at that present moment. But it doesn't necessarily set them up for success Mm -hmm. later down the road. I call it the entrepreneurial mindset, like the, the ability to figure out, think analytically, think critically to solve problems. Right. And like, so, 
you know, Google is only 20 years old, right? right? So mm -hmm. if you were in school 25 years from, you know, in the past, right. and they were trying to teach you about marketing or teaching you about, like, none of that is applicable at all anymore. Right. It's completely blown out of the water. So we, like, as we sit here right now, 10 years from now, it's going to be something completely different that changes everything about how we do right, right. Like uber and and all these things, these these new technologies so there are going to be jobs that exist in the future that have not even been cooked up now right there are going to be business opportunities in the future that you know complement some piece of technology that hasn't even been cooked up yet right, right. like people people now have businesses um dedicated to facebook marketing and google ads right but like they wouldn't even be able to make have had that business 15 true. years ago you know it's very true so we got to teach the young people how to think so that they can take that with them wherever they go absolutely absolutely thank you for sharing that and you know and once again thank you for speaking at our summer institute it was very valuable uh, information can we have too many entrepreneurs why or why not hmm i think that's a that's a really good question and I will say that I do not have an answer for you, but I have an opinion. Okay. I have some thoughts about the question. Um, I think initially I would kind of say no mm -hmm. um, in that a person who is an entrepreneur does not necessarily need to be owning their own business. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I consider myself an entrepreneur because mm -hmm. I do many, many different things. For right. Sure. I for have, sure. um, I'm cultivating multiple streams of income mm -hmm. i am investing right? right you know but i'm not i don't own a business per se i um i charge people for my thoughts and my time right. when, I, when i sit down with exactly. them and they ask me for their recommendations i attach a, a check to it <laughs> right but i send that invoice yeah <laughs> right. but i don't necessarily um, I don't necessarily want to build an empire or an infrastructure or an operation. Gotcha. And I very much enjoy the work that I do. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to continue doing that um, in, even while I invest in real estate or I invest in stocks. But all of that stuff is, is creating income. So I will say that one does not need to own a company necessarily or, or hire people to be considered an entrepreneur. And one could be working at a large corporation like FedEx or AutoZone or ServiceMaster and still be an entrepreneurial thinker and mm -hmm. have that mindset that we talked about. Right. Um, and so I will say that the word entrepreneur can be, can be construed in many different ways. Now, mm -hmm. where I say um, maybe, yes, there can be too many entrepreneurs is when there are, uh, I feel like, there's this influx of people who want to be talking about yeah, their entrepreneurs, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, y'all ain't doing anything. <laughs> I saw this meme the other day. I saw this meme the other day. I have to, I have to pull it up while, while I'm talking. For sure. Um, but I, I think that to be a true entrepreneur, i.e. owning your own business, mm -hmm. um, it's not a glamour, it's not necessarily such a glamorous thing that people make make it out to be that's true you know that's very and you true. know this oh my goodness yes so the quote the, <laughs> the quote is I can tell. <laughs> the quote is never before has a generation so diligently recorded themselves accomplishing so little mm. 
And that's kind of how I feel about uh, a lot of people who say they're grinding, they hustling, and they do not. <laughs> I'm just like, but, but what are you doing? Right. Like, you're spending more of your time posting to Instagram while you're, why you're awesome than generating a revenue. Right. It's, it, it's, it's the rocking chair mentality. Like, you're moving, but you ain't going nowhere, right? Yes. Exactly. Like you, like you said, you're spending most of the time promoting the thing that you're not doing. Yes. <laughs> for sure. So that's, that's definitely a thing that I see. Uh, and, and thank you for sharing that answer. It actually speaks to an episode we did on The Startup Life months ago about you know who said anything about starting a business like the like you said the entrepreneurial mindset is required when you invest in the market when you buy a house or you know budgeting for the month right so no i'm, I'm glad you you said that you're always promoting the show within the show I mean, you did that last episode, inception you know, right <laughs> i appreciate that but with that being said and you talked about you know building you know the entrepreneurial ecosystem and that's what you consider yourself an entrepreneurial ecosystem ecosystem builder mm-hmm. what does that mean to you um well the term entrepreneurial ecosystem builder mm-hmm. is kind of this new little buzzword that is, is floating around there have been some new conferences that gotcha. i've gone to and they've kind of like been pushing this word out this term right um but essentially it's a person who supports bolstering their the companies small businesses, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. Um, a lot of times these people, including myself, are very interested in like tech. They're interested in helping to bring talent to their their ecosystem or their city um, in order to help the city grow, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a very, so like an ecosystem, if you think about an ecosystem, uh, you think about a jungle. Right. There's, you know, the leaves and the trees, there's the rain, there's the animals that, eat each other or eat the plants they fertilize the ground and it's a big circle of life Mm -hmm. and when a part of the ecosystem is not healthy then Mm. the whole jungle will begin to suffer and so people like me who consider themselves entrepreneurial ecosystem builders are taking um taking stock of the ecosystem Mm -hmm. the community um as it relates to entrepreneurship and trying to understand what are the areas that aren't healthy? What are the areas that we could um, infuse more resources into in order to help the entire city or the entire community Right, because some, right, sometimes it's not necessarily that that piece is unhealthy. That piece might not even be there. Yeah, it might right? not even exist. Right, for sure. No, I, I appreciate you, you sharing that. Which is something else you want to say? I know I kind of cut you off. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, okay. no. You know, we flourishing out here. <laughs> gotcha. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, you know, let me ask you this. Should entrepreneurs include some type of philanthropy as part of their business model? Hmm. Like, is, 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 is that important or is it all about cash and chicks? All about that money. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I think that it really depends on what the company is trying to do, right? So mm-hmm. perhaps they could, um, perhaps they could incorporate philanthropy or corporate social responsibility into the like their giving um, right. or the, the, the things they support perhaps their business model and the, the social impact is baked straight into what they do right right um so i think you know this is my personal opinion that 
every company, every business, every entrepreneur should be mindful about the way that their business impacts the community, Mm. the people that are around or the people that they serve. They should be mindful of their effects on other people. Absolutely. um, The environment and all of those things. So whether they cut a check in order to support that or whether they bake it into the the very business itself mm-hmm. my personal opinion is it doesn't doesn't necessarily matter but i do think that like especially as we move forward um in the world today that mm-hmm. it's very important i think that in the past um businesses have not been so intentional about that and, right. and it's had some not so great um impacts on understood people in other countries it's had not so great impacts on the earth that we mm. live on and it's yeah. like you know we don't have a planet to live on if we don't have clean air or you know trees to give us oxygen then it doesn't matter how much money we're making because we're right. all dead so right. <laughs> so i do think that like you know that's kind of my perspective on it is that it's, it's going to be crucial in the future. And I think that we see now um, a, a bent toward um, like even investors wanting to understand what's your social impact, um, what is your, your corporate responsibility structure, right. like what, what are the things that um, you're doing to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Like when a company has a good answer to that question, um, and obviously a good business model. For sure. Then um, it can be a leg up in, in investing and, and gaining customers. You know, people care about that kind of stuff. For sure. It's, it's, it's you know, important that you mention that whole good business model piece because a, a lot of times people are so focused on the philanthropy piece that they don't run the business right. But if you don't mm-hmm. run the business right, you can't do the philanthropy piece, exactly. right? Exactly. So no. You can't set yourself on fire <laughs> to keep other people warm. It's what, something Woo! that I tell people all the time. Gotcha. Whether it's from a business or entrepreneurial standpoint or a personal standpoint, it's just like you have to be about your coins. you got to mm-hmm. be about your paper. And until you work on creating a sustainable revenue model, right? it doesn't really matter, like, the good that you do is is great but mm-hmm. you might you could just do that yourself right <laughs> you right. know for sure can't set yourself on fire to keep people warm mm-hmm. remember that take that to the heart start automation for <laughs> sure so you know as a you know an ecosystem builder if you will uh what advice do you give to friends and family when they have somebody who's starting a business because you know a lot of times People say, oh, that's great. You're starting a business. Some people are like, mm, you're starting a business, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what advice do you have for friends and family, you know, for people who are, you know, starting businesses and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah. I would say my first thing, like first, very, very first thing is to understand your customer. Mm-hmm. And and so I have I have some family and friends who come to me and they're like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And, this. and I'm like, are you in love with this idea? Because it sounds really good to you or are you in love with this idea because it's sounding good to other people mm. like you can't if you have a, a a cool concept for um i don't know if you have a cool concept for something but you don't have a market for it then it's gonna be a waste of time and so i would be like they'll be like come sit on my board come advise me and i'm like go do a hundred interviews with people right. and see how much they would pay for this. What's their interest in it? How would they consume it? Right. Find, you know, find if there are any kinks in your idea, your mm-hmm. concept, figure out 
if there's anything that you could add or take away, pitch the idea to some people mm. and then come back to me and then I can be excited about it. But gotcha. I, I sit in this space all the time of like new ideas popping up. Mm-hmm. Your idea is not original. It's not special. <laughs> right? right. Like that's what I'll tell people. Mm-hmm. This idea has already been tried to be executed before. I almost can guarantee it. Right. right. In some form or fashion. Now, maybe it's not been executed the way that you would do it. Right. And therefore, you could have a successful business. But, like, I just don't get excited about things for people until I think, you know, that's actually viable. Then I'm like, oh, man, like, yes, you could do this and this and this. Mm -hmm. But just because I see this so often, it's just like, don't get super excited until you have something to get excited for. Right, right. No, I, I know exactly what you mean because there's a, a few friends of mine who say, like, you know, they talked to me for years and years about, like, this business idea, wherever the case may be. And I was like, you know, maybe, they, you know, I may want to bring them on the startup life to talk about that or whatever, right? But I was like, nah, I need to see something first. I need to see what type of move. Like, I got a friend who he was talking about an app or whatever, right? He had been talking about it for a while. But then he actually made the investment, got it built, got the concept. He started pitching like, okay, now he's ready. Yeah. Now he, now he's legit. Now I get excited. So I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Because like you want to be invested for him. You want them to be successful. But it's one of those things where it's like, I can't be more excited than you are. Yeah. Right. Like that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm glad you shared that. Before we get into the last question, you, you know, I've said this to you before. But I want to get it on record in the you know in the you know the stratosphere Atmosphere. right for yes. sure. Thank you for being here in Memphis as a native. The work that you do here at Epicenter and around the city is super important. I love when people see the treasure that is this city because mm-hmm. a lot of times we have people who are who are born here and they don't really see the gym that is here. And so Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati? Yeah, I came from Cincinnati. I lived there for like six or seven years. Gotcha. Before that, I lived in Dallas. Dallas. That's right. Okay. But I just wanted to make sure I put it on wax that I am <laughs> grateful that you're here. You're coming down here crushing it. And we as a city are very uh, grateful for you and your talents and what you do for our city. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank I wanted you. to have that on wax for sure. Appreciate it. Uh, last question. Any lasting advice as people start their entrepreneurial journey, you know, trying to trying to stick to their entrepreneurial journey, what advice would you give them? Um, I would just say, you know, if, if you believe in what you're doing, stick with it. Be open to changing your idea. Mm-hmm. Be open to pivoting um, based on that customer discovery that we talked about, right, based on what sure. the, the, the research that you do. Just be open to that and um, have that growth mindset because, you know, there's like the this, this story that I, uh, I remember hearing and I don't know if I'll recount it exactly right, but mm-hmm. um, there are like these two scientists, right? And one was an American, one was a British one, and they were, they were working on trying to figure out some sort of thing with like, I don't remember exactly what they were working on, but both of them ended up having the same result is that they had like this weird bacteria and they like didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And the American scientist was like, um, this is a true story. The American <laughs> scientist was just like, oh, I failed. Like I didn't get the result that I was looking for. And the British scientist was like, huh, like what, what could we do with this? And it turned out to be penicillin, mm. right? So that, that, that particular um, person 
did wasn't wasn't phased by the fact that what they were trying to accomplish didn't end up exactly the way that they wanted. Gotcha. But when they got the result, they tried to see what else they could do with it, and that's really what a true entrepreneur does. For sure. So that's gonna wrap up this you know this uh, episode of the startup life, which is probably great because we got the vacuum <laughs> in the background here. Did you enjoy being back on the show? Oh, uh, for sure. Would it you was be great. Would you be willing to come back? Oh, uh, I mean, you know, third time's a charm. <laughs> All right, Startup Nation. So here's my final take. On your path to entrepreneurship, you're gonna have many people that are gonna be able to help you. People like Louisa at Epicenter is a classic example. They understand that entrepreneurship can be daunting and can be not always an easy road, but when you have partners like Louisa and Epicenter who help build you know, ecosystems for entrepreneurs to be successful, you can go a really long way. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a new way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. To subscribe to the show, as it can now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio and SoundCloud. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.